0: So, uh, this morning, I want to look again at uh, a few different things in terms of the practice. And so there is this idea in uh, Korean song, just about, just bath. There is this idea in Korean song of the three great qualities. And this is great faith, great courage, and great questioning. And so that's why I look, want to look at in connection to the practice. And so the first one is great faith. And I think great faith is not about believing in some belief, in something outside of ourselves, but really great faith in our potential. And so what is interesting in terms of great faith is that there can be different aspects of it. For example, if we look at the beginning of a retreat, it's nearly like you're trying to convince yourself this is a good idea. You know, yes, let's do it. My friend thinks it's great. I think it's great. The text says it's great. So in a way, this is what I call kind of, you know, building our self up faith. And that's what I would notice, in um in Korea, we used to sit for three months. So generally the first two weeks were about this. Yes, I can do it. This. this is tough. It's okay. Yes, I can do it. And so, you know, for two weeks, you were really, it was so tough to go back into the rhythm of it and the body and the mind. And then after the next, the first two weeks, it felt like, wow, this is fantastic, I want to do this for my whole life. And then you, in a way, you did not have to have great faith because you experienced great faith for yourself because you experienced, oh yeah, this work, I can do it. And then at the end of the retreat, the last two weeks, for some strange reason, you were ready to go. And in a way, the movement from being on the retreat to then... Bringing that great faith in daily life. How can I do this in my life? And I think on a retreat, here is a little the same in a kind of a shortened version. The first two days, what am I doing here? And you kind of try to convince yourself it's okay. And hopefully, the middle, you feel, oh yeah, I know this. And then the great faith is not so much about convincing ourselves, but it's really about experiencing. Oh, yeah, I have this potential. Oh, yeah, I can do this. And then the last days, you might the great faith might change a little in terms of, oh, yeah, I can do this here, but how am I going to do this in my daily life? How am I going to bring it there? And so we'll talk more about that on Friday and on Saturday. So I see the great faith as really the kind of like, very important, that it has different shape. Sometimes it's more kind of, you know, convincing ourselves, reminding ourselves. And a lot of the time it's just experiencing it. And at times it's kind of remembering that it exists even if we don't experience it. And to me, I feel it's a little bit like today. I mean, so far we've been very lucky. Because, I mean, a week ago they announced it was going to rain every day. But uh, it did not until today or last night. And so the sun was so evident for us. Like every day you're in England in April and it's sunny and it's like, wow. Wow. This is great, and this is great faith, this can happen, you know. And then now, we've got the clouds. So from this side, we don't experience the sun, but we know the sun still exists, the sun still there. And I think this is, in a way, what the great faith is about in daily life to know all during the practice on a retreat that even though it's really difficult right now the sun is still there, the potential is still there the experience can still be there and so in a way the great faith (coughs) gives us kind of the ground, the basis of the practice then you have great courage and so great courage I feel is going to give Energy to the practice. It's going to give some really, some humph to the practice. And it's really, in a way, often we think about more of a heroic courage, like, you know, I'm going to sit nonstop, or I'm going to do this or that. But personally, I think the courage, the great courage is about going a little beyond our habits going a little beyond our limits. And so in a way, it's having the courage to creatively engage. Because in a way, it's kind of like nearly having the courage to make the choice, the courage to make the choice to come back, the courage to be present to the whole experience, the courage to question. And there is this, uh, this quote from the Six Patriarchs Stephen mentioned already, and that's what he says. No thought is to see and to know all things with a mind free from grasping. So it's interesting here, he said no thought is not to have no thought, actually, but it's to see and know all things with a mind free from grasping. So he says, when he knows, it pervades everywhere, and yet, it sticks nowhere. To me, it's nearly having the great courage not to stick, because we stick so easily. It's kind of like, the, at times you feel like there is a kind of like a gooey quality. We kind of stick very easily. And that's what he says, what we have to do is to purify our mind. Personally, I would like to translate it as what we have to do is to creatively engage so that the sixth aspect of consciousness in passing through the sixth sense organ will never be influenced or attached to the sixth sense object. And so in a way, today, could we play with that in terms of the great courage? I come in contact with a thought, I come in contact with a feeling, with a sensation, with a sound, can I creatively engage with it? Can I have the great courage to not immediately stick to it, not to push it away, as in aversion, because then that will amplify it. But really see the difference, the great courage to creatively engage, to be really present to what goes on, but not sticking to it. Can we play around with that today? But also I would say the great courage to apply ourselves with that effortless effort So, you know, sometimes we have to have the great courage to accept our limits. And, for example, for myself, after sitting for years on the floor, I could not anymore, and then, in a way, I had to have the great courage to sit on a chair. And that was okay, too. Or, in a way, having the great courage to really apply the practice. I mean, recently, I had this... um, because of some research I am associated with in France. So I went through the fMRI machine, my first time ever. And I never experienced it. And I thought, you know, pff, you know, what? everybody mentioned about claustrophobia, about sound. I don't have claustrophobia, I don't mind sand. So I thought, mm-hmm. should be a piece of cake. So I get there and everybody, ah, meditation teacher okay let's do this and then as soon as they put this foam thing like they put a foam thing quite thick around my neck and then they put this thing so that this stay even more so I'm like ah! <laughs> like my whole body and mind very likely because it was pressing on the windpipe my whole body says no way we're not going to do this. So starting to hyperventilate. And, and so I say to the lady, uh-uh. So we look at each other, this great meditation teacher. Are we finished before we even start? Because I have three full days of these things. And I think, okay, I can do this. Great courage. I can do this. So then we put the thing back on, the thing back on, I lie down, and I still feel, don't do this. This is a bad idea, <laughs> you know. The body is really sending me all this message, you know. And I can see that if I give in that, I really can't do it. And so I kind of summon great courage, and then I did <clears throat> five things together. So I go into the machine, and I do, I can't do it. I can do this. What is it? What is this? What is this? The breath, listening to the sound. I did all this together for 10 minutes, nonstop. And after 10 minutes, it all went. And it was like I was in a nirvana, like in some space, you know. It was amazing. The rest of the time was really uh, quite amazing. But you see, in a way, I needed the great courage to apply myself. To finally something in you know, a way coming together, which allowed the body not to amplify and then to relax in the situation. So, the great courage giving us energy, exploration. And then the last one is a great questioning. And so, we've talked a lot about questioning. And so, the question you know, is how can I question? how can I bring questioning into, the, into my meditation? Because it's true that meditation is generally not, in a way, associated with questioning. Generally, it's very much associated with being calm, with anchoring, concentration, focusing. And so, in a way, how do we question? And so I was reading uh, an article that uh, a monk wrote about the three masters in Korea and the different way they taught. And I think what is very important to see that you have a technique. And actually, as Stephen pointed out, Son, Zen Chan, arose in China because it was kind of, it was too scholarly in the eighth century. But then, Chan became too scholarly itself and using a lot of the story and the case in a more kind of like rarefied, poetic ma- manner. And then in the 11th century, you had this kind of like a Tawi arose, and, tare- and Tawi committed the ultimate, you could say, Zen-Chan crime, is that his master was famous for having all collected all the koans in a book, and Tawi burned the book. <laughs> so he's kind of, has this kind of reputation. But it was Tawi which actually really developed the way we are practicing here during this retreat, developing the, taking the kernel of the Quran and then using it as a question. And the reason he developed that was because he thought it would be an easier way for lay people to practice, because he had lots of contact with lay people practicing in the government, in the ministry. And he wanted to give them something they could easily use instead of kind of thinking about lots of story and creating poems and things of that nature. Then they would just have to ask, what is this? Or whatever question they choose to take. And so in a way, but then you have this question, what is this, for example, and then how do you do it? And that, I think, is like any method. There are many different ways to do it. And even in Korea, just if you look at these three teachers, each do, does it in a very different way. The first one is Song Dam Sunim, which uses it with the breath. And so as I mentioned, you breathe in, and as you breathe out, what is this? But actually the way he does it is at first he gets used to do a certain type of breath. Then he gets you to count the breath. And then once you've stabilized with that, then you bring the questioning with the breath. And so at first he said, oh, on each breath you ask on the out breath, what is this? Then every five breaths on the out breath, what is this? Then every ten breaths and then his idea is to develop a sensation of questioning. And then you just have, in a way, to ask, what is this one? And then he stays with you the whole day. Then you have another you know, master, Song Chol Sunim. Him again, he said, be careful and don't be in the stance of just observing yourself, asking the question and then observing what is going on, but really trying to develop a sensation. And so what he suggested was to add a few words to that. So in a way, what is this? It is not the Buddha. It is not the mind. It is not a material thing. Then, what is this? So that's the way he thought it would bring more Kind of questioning. And then you have the third one, which has a totally subul sunim. And I'm going to go and practice with subul sunim in June, so we'll see how that works. Because his method is extremely different. And he said, forget about calm, don't need calm, and just question. And here his point is question but to find the answer experientially. So how does it do that? We'll see when I get there. So what I wanted to show is that there are many different ways in a way to ask a question. So, personally I feel with any type of practice, that it be the questioning, or that it be doing the breath, doing the loving kindness, doing the listening, over time I mean we can give suggestion but over time each of us has to find a way to make it ourselves and then in a way the main point I would say of making it ourselves is through using this technique through using this tool how can I cultivate together to a certain degree anchoring and questioning, and looking deeply. But one of the things that the really all these teachers emphasize is that we don't just question when we're sitting here. But this is something they really try to emphasize a lot, is how can I continue throughout the day? When I go to the bathroom, what is this? When I'm eating, what is this? When I'm working, what is this? So in a way, one, I think this is something to really, we have the opportunity on a retreat, is trying to work on that continuity so that we sit, we walk, and then there is that continuity of doing this here. But then when we leave this room, how can I continue with the questioning? So either I feel we can try to continue with the questioning itself what is this? I mean, when I was in Korea once I decided to help in the kitchen and so I was like, you know, cooking helping to cook rice for hundred people and then you, you had to, this was ancient time, now it's very different, but then you had this huge cauldron and you had to put kind of big piece of kind of uh, twigs and branches in the fire. And then when you kind of went to go for the rice, you actually had to kind of pick up the rice with a spade. So you kind of, you had this, the cauldron was like that. Then you had to put the rice in this kind of big pot. So you had to have your spade of rice and then kind of like that because you are feeding so many people. And what I found that actually... The what is this really gave me a lot of energy. So I would kind of, what is this? What is this? And it's kind of like, as I did it in the action, it was kind of really giving me energy. And also what I found myself is when I go for a walk, this is something is interesting. You go for a walk, and often what happens when you walk, often you are thinking of something else. And to me, I use really the walking to bring the question what is this? And just bringing the question as I walk in nature. And so in a way it's kind of like, as this teacher are saying, how can you make the questioning kind of continue through the work, through drinking your tea? So either you use a question or you could think more about cultivating in whatever way a certain sense of calmness. A certain sense of alertness. Because the great questioning is really about balancing these two qualities that my, tu- my teacher used to refer to which are song song jock jock, which basically mean alert alert calm calm. So in a way how outside of sitting and walking in meditation how can we continue to cultivate those qualities? Quality of quietness, of stability. And to me, in a way, when we sit, when we walk in meditation formally, we're actually trying to build a certain ground within ourselves, a ground of calm, a ground of alertness, so that, you know, it becomes a refuge. And so that's why I think that's this all this informal practice, as we eat, as we work, as we rest, I feel is continuing with that ground. So it's kind of really for us, like when I stand in the queue. How can I be present? How can I be calm, stable in this moment? What is it that helps me to be alert, in a way to be fully present to the experience, without trying? to make anything with it. That's why I think queuing standing is a very interesting one. Because often in daily life, we queue. queuing. Personally, in France, I often queue in my small supermarket, and you always feel you have the wrong queue. And so you kind of, what is interesting is that, are you kind of like, you know, trying to push the queue and kind of, you know, getting a little stressed and impatient or whatever, or are you just really standing there, really just here? And what is it that's going to help you to do that? The thing is really here, all the time in between, the formal practice is really how can I cultivate informal practice here so then I can also do that in daily life when I stand in the queue, when I talk to somebody, when I drive, whatever it is, how can I connect to this quality or how can I cultivate them? And then I wanted to finish with a a quote from Master Tawi and uh, So this is like somebody had written to him, so Master Tawi of the 12th century in China. And so one of the layperson who was practicing with him, he was uh, writing back and forth. So that's what he says. Your letter informs me that you feel that your root nature is dim and dull. So obviously the fellow is going about his day, he's trying to meditate, and he doesn't feel very alert. When in this practice, being alert is really important. And that's what Master Tawi said. The one who can recognize dim and dull is definitely not dim and dull. (laughs)